And welcome everyone. We're on with another week with your host Mordechai Weinberger on Let's Grow Together with the J-Root Curve radio program. This is a fantastic place and of course we take your questions and the psychological help. Your host is Mordechai Weinberger LCSW that stands for Licensed Clinical Social Worker. We are also able to be hosted. You can watch us on the jrootradio.com, on yeshivaworld.com, on the lakewoodscoop.com. And this week we have the matzav.com hosting it as well. So we'd like to thank matzav for hosting it, thanking all those wonderful websites, but especially to the jroot radio for having this program. Again, your host is Mordechai Weinberger. The number to call and to ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. We'd like to discuss a topic today and, of course, take any questions and callers that you have about any topic in the mental health field, but preferably if we can focus it to this issue, to this question. And the, the topic is about having adult children with issues in the house and how it affects the house which means sometimes you can have a child that's in their 20s, 30s, or 40s where they have an issue. They can have OCD. They might have depression. They might have some anger issues. They might have some difficulties. And being that they're in the house, it's affecting the entire household. It's affecting the parents. It's affecting the siblings. And just different questions to have an opportunity for people to call up and mention their concerns or some advice, some tips that they were able to deal with. We have a question from the Lakewood Scoop that we're going to start with that. And I guess with that question, we're going to then take it for an opening and to discuss some of what happens. So the question is as follows. I have an older brother that is 26 years old. He isn't married yet. No one knows, but he has a real anger issue. He is a major controller. Um, in the, at the house, he is very controlling. He can yell at me a lot. I'm 19 and working now. The past two years that I'm working, my ego my confidence has skyrocketed i spoke to my parents and they say they tried everything how am i supposed to deal with a tough brother that has issues and i really feel this question is appropriate like really deals with almost every point that happens when you have a family member in the house that has an issue i'd like to for those of you that would like to call in the number to call into the j radio is 718-683-5858 that's 718- 683-5858. I'm looking forward to hearing your question or comment. Again, the number is 718-683-5858. When there is a child that has an emotional issue, forget about now that they're an older, let's just deal with the basics, an entire family gets affected by that. Which means, let's assume a kid has anger issues. Let's assume a kid doesn't want to go to school, which is unfortunately something that I'm hearing more and more about. And I'm getting cases or hearing about cases when the kid is out of school for three, four months and the parents are going, we tried everything. We tried yelling. We tried bribing. We, they, he went back to school or she went back to school for two weeks and then just didn't want to go. What happens is the entire family gets affected. Besides for the kid, number one, the parents they start having second doubts. They start questioning themselves. What type of a parent am I? Why am I not able to get my kid to go to school? Everyone can go to school. We've tried every tool that we have, and then comes in the feelings of helplessness. Then there sometimes can be anger to the kid or anger in the home, which is a, one of the famous cognitive distortions. One of the tools that the brain uses in CBT is called displacement or distortion or denial. 
displacement is when I am angry. Let's say at work, the boss yells at me and I can't tell and I can't respond to him because he might be a controlling person. So what happens is we displace the anger to a place that we feel more safe. That means we can let it out at family members, on wives, kids, or whoever else it's safer that we feel safe to let it out. So unfortunately, we are giving our anger to other places. When you have a child in the house that has an issue and we don't have the tools how to deal with it and it's sitting there smack in your face, it is normal for us to unfortunately let it out at others. Not that it's acceptable, not that that's what should happen, but it's one of the ego defenses, one of the ways that the brain tries to correct itself and tries to balance the situation. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. You're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker, here to deal with your any mental, emotional question or comment. Hopefully, with Siata Deshmaya, we will be able to address it. The topic today is about having adult children with issues in the house, how it affects the house. So for us to understand it, when parents are feeling helpless, either which one out of two really um, effects that people have is either fight, means it can stop being aggressive, a parent can be angry, a parent can be frustrated, or there can be the other time flight where the emotions lock down. We keep everything in, or what we're considering now a third system that people are calling to fight, flight, or freeze that we just don't look at it, we pretend it doesn't exist, and that kid is in the house affecting other children as well, and somehow we just stay locked in it, and we just keep stuck in that. So number one, when you have an adult child with an issue in the house, what happens is it affects the parents that they start questioning themselves, they're not feeling confident with themselves, and they are not able to be that happy parent, that parent that is able to connect with the children. That's what happens many times. We're going to take um, Sarah online too. You're on the air with Mordechai. And then we're going to continue how it affects a family dynamic. And we'll actually deal with the question from the Lakewood Scoop. So the number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Again, listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. Um, Sarah, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. Hi. Um, first of all, I want to thank you very much. I enjoy your shows and I enjoy calling in periodically. Yes, thank you. Um, I wanted to know, um, so I'm, I'm uh, in the educational field, and currently I'm working with a student who um, has um, severe learning issues, and for whatever reason, he's not in school right now. Um, I've just been assigned to work with him. So that's, I'm trying to do my job well. Um, there are definitely some family dynamic issues. Uh, right now, I'm just trying to wonder how to reach a child who um, seems to be getting all his attention through his negative behavior. And yes. I'm trying very hard to respond to anything positive, but he makes it very difficult at times, and he's also manipulative. Okay, let's let's first start with some of the basic, first, like, some basic information. How old is this kid, roughly, because we don't want to give away confidentiality? Right, um, an elementary school child. Elementary, well, uh, okay, what I mean to say is he's more like 10, 11, 12, or more like 6, 7, 8? 
Um, <clears throat> more like um, give a, a rough six, seven, eight. Six, seven, eight. Okay. Well, let's first understand what's happening. When you say family dynamics issue, and that's exactly what we're discussing over here, there are children that are, somehow I shouldn't say there are, almost every child has the tools how to get through to their parents' weaknesses, and it's the job of the parents to recognize that the kid just got the key to our weaknesses, and now we've got to open it up. We've got to identify this key that they have, and we need to sort of jam the lock that we remain the parents, and kids should have a communication system with us, but they should not be able to manipulate us or to control us with certain tools that work. One of the most natural instincts for children to be able to gain control or to get what they need from their parents is negative um, behaviors, such as when a baby's born crying. When a baby cries, the parents go, oh, I just can't take it, hush, and you're shaking and you're rocking the kid. And that works. Parents give in. Parents are actually, you know, doing what has to get done. And it's a message and it's naturally inborn in the child to do that, as well as for the parents to respond. Now, what happens is when kids get older, what is supposed to happen is as the kid gets more aware and the cognitive abilities start developing, that's when parents are supposed to be able to now tell the child, this crying is not a healthy behavior. This tantruming is not a healthy behavior. This going, oh, can I please have it? Like those tones, you're supposed to now start learning how to ask in a nice, normal um, adult or whatever's age-appropriate tone. Now, I what, think that that, that part is, um, excuse me, if you know, I think that part has not been uh, happening in his home. Exactly. And I think that's where he's stuck. Exactly. So what I would like you to first recognize, that's why I'm building up sort of the answer is going, when, they have a, when there's a kid that was able to get the parents now controlled, so I usually identify the saying, who's the parent? The parent is the kid. Who are the children? The parents. And how do I view it that way? It goes in, who is in control of the house? Who is deciding if he is going to school or not? The boy. So that means the boy is actually, without knowing what he's doing, has taken supremacy, has taken control over the house, and the parents do not have the tool to get him to school. Correct? Correct. Now, how long do you get to see this kid? Maybe twice a week of 45 minutes, if that? Mm, actually, it's a lot longer, 10 hours a week. <laughs> actually, that's fantastic. I really appreciate that because now we start. That gives us a lot more hope, actually. So let's assume you have 10 hours a week and you go to this kid in his house, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that you would start doing is now you would start doing exercises. Games work the most, and you got to just give yourself time to recognize that you're changing now family dynamics, or not really family dynamics, but inner dynamics of this kid, which he has the other uh, hours of the day or of a week when he's got the other family dynamics where he's in control. So one of the steps that you'd like to, let's say, change your goal is not to get him to school right away, not to stop the negative behaviors right away. It's to start some positive behaviors. When you want something, ask, can I please have it? Well, why That's did you exactly do... what I just started working with him on, even giving him the words, because he gets so, part of his issue is communication. Yes, yes. Now, so, do you know, like, do you know like you... for instance, he was reading the word characteristic. Yes. And he couldn't see it inside or something, so he, I wanted him to find the word character inside the word characteristics. So I said to him, what word is inside it? And he said, I don't know, I don't know, he, whatever. So then I said, he said, I said to him, Ask me, say, can I have a hint, please? And then he says, oh, I don't need a hint. So it took me a while to get him to ask it, even though he supposedly didn't need a hint. That's right. Excellent. So what I would suggest is if he got 10 hours a week, slow down your pace. 
if we can focus on the basics at first, you might actually save his life and not be that, and he might not identify within the first three, four weeks characteristics. Well, first, like an evaluation for you to know what, you know, where he's holding, that's fantastic and that's wonderful. But the focus I'd like you to realize is teaching a kid proper behavior means if he can do it once with you, he will then be able to copy that to use that modeling experience in other areas. And that's a large part what happens in the therapeutic office, in the therapeutic um, system, which is if we can get the person to be confident with me, the therapist, if we can get the client to open up, to share a personal feeling, then A, the emotions started to be expressed and it's not a secret anymore, but B, what happens is you find that as adults or children are able to open up to a therapist, they're opening up in other areas as well. So if you can teach him to ask for help, to identify now, oh, this is called anger. Now you're feeling frustrated when you don't know what's happening. What do you feel? How do you act? And this is the points that we would like to so slowly do it each day. If you get him two hours a day and if you have five days a week, so go ahead and focus on, get, set yourself up with a list. What are the behaviors you want to teach him this week? Pick three behaviors and you're going to teach them and sort of you do find different situations where they come up again. Now I'm feeling angry. Now I want to take a break and just have him verbalize the words instead of blaming or instead of acting out. If he runs away, don't chase after him slowly. One other point to realize when you're working with kids like that at first, and these are the dangerous words at first, try to, let's say, buy him off a little, like have something that when he doesn't want something, either a candy or sugar-free, whatever it should be, but to get an idea, to get a focus where the kid is going to be looking forward to you coming, if you're going to start with too much of a regimental behavioral system, remember he's got control over the parents, and if he says, I don't like her, she comes, you know, Sarah's too strict on me, I don't want to get out of the room. Then so the that's the advantage that I have, that he'll never say that. Why not? Especially because that's, that's part of his issue. That what? That he can't communicate his feelings. Okay, but he th won't come out of the room. He'll tell the parents, I never want to see her again. You, you know, it's interesting. He doesn't do that. So what does Very he do at home? When I'm not there, when he, nothing. Yeah. The, the housekeeper told me he watches TV and plays games and makes a ruckus. Why is he not in school? I don't know. That's, uh, that's uh, for another discussion. Okay, I, I mean, it's not for the radio. Okay, no, my, what I mean is, is it his right. behavior? Is it, the, is it that the parents can't get him there, or is it that the schools don't want him? Um, I think, uh, I, I, whatever. Okay, it's, very it's, good. It's no, I'm glad you're, situation. I'm glad you're keeping it confidential. Fantastic. Excellent. Uh, I just, I, my, just, my, my, um, concern is, I mean, well, I should say that yesterday, um, when he really wasn't doing any work, so I was, um, actually doing a workshop on ABA. Yes. Um, yes. for certification and I, and it was talking about negative reinforcement, which yes. is not what people think it is. Yes. Negative reinforcement means taking away something that he would ordinarily do. Yes. And yes. not letting him do it. That's right. So that is you I, right. That's really the Pavlov. That's where we get the the classical conditioning comes from really in the nineteen fifties when they were doing all those studies of the Pavlov dog. And that is negative and positive does not mean what the world thinks. Another interesting thing that I hear all the time when people tell me, Oh, this person is so antisocial. It's another terminology that in therapeutic terms, antisocial is so violent that it's beyond, it's a level of burning cars, breaking glasses, just walking down the street. And that's a level of antisocial. But it's interesting, as professionals, we sort of, when someone says antisocial, we know what people mean. So when they use negative behaviors, 
I many times wonder when I speak to a professional and they say, well, that we need to stop some negative behaviors. And I go, are you talking about professional term negative behavior or negative reinforcement or the layman or sort of like the classical terms of amoinam that the people use? Yes. Would you like to educate? I think it's a cute idea to educate what negative behaviors mean. Would you like to discuss that? Um, yeah. So basically, um, I learned this from a special education teacher I worked with once um, in the public schools, and I was amazed when I walked into her classroom when I saw kids were upset because she wasn't letting them sit at their desk because they weren't, weren't behaving properly. They didn't yeah. deserve to. They weren't acting like a nine-year-old or however old they were. Yeah. And so if you're not behaving like a nine-year-old, you're going to be treated like a younger kid. Yes. Yes, and that is considered where you are stopping the negative actions or the negative behaviors, and there's positive means by doing something. Negative is by taking something away. So by taking away a right in the professional terms and ABA and behavioral terminology, that is what they refer it to, that you are taking so, away something that a person has. So taking away a lolly, taking away something is considered a negative system or a negative style uh, in one of the st steps of therapy. So can I just ask you just one, one quick question to wrap sure. up, if you don't mind? Um, so how do I um, uh, stay away? How do I, as the provider, as the teacher, make sure not to replicate the parent's behavior in terms of uh, the mother raising her voice automatically all the time? And that's how he, and as I find it happening sometimes to me, it just comes out of frustration because he's such a difficult child to get through to. Supervision. That is a very important word. Supervision means you have someone that you'll speak to, discuss it, someone with experience. It can either be someone, let's say, from the agency where many times they're required to offer supervision or just someone that you can speak to or even just a friend that might have experience that you guys can do peer supervision. But if you can have it once a week because cases like this can drown you. And it's extremely important to realize when you're saying that family issues, kid has got major behaviors, there are, there are, let's say, negative behaviors, not in the term of what the therapy told, but negative behaviors going on. It's easy to get caught up into it. It's the longer you're in the system, the more enmeshed you get. So when you have 10 hours a week, maybe the first week you're holding yourself strong, the second week, the third week, but after the fifth week, it's easy to get frustrated. And that's where having a peer supervisor, someone discussing something with you, just keeps you grounded. And that okay. is a very important point. You can set goals during that time to recognize and identify what will keep you clear and focused along your system. But that is a normal issue that almost all therapists have. And that's where it gets into sometimes transference issues where also you get triggered. He can trigger you. The family can trigger you. And it's extremely important to stay grounded and focused. Okay, thank you very much for your time and your thoughts. You're Appreciate very welcome, it. and I'd like you to know you're very professional in the way you're able to keep confidentiality as well. So appreciate that, that you've done that very well. And yes, ABA is a behavioral style, which is very good. There's cognitive therapy out there, and there are subconscious type therapy out there. And to help a person, I believe we need all three. So in this case, I would really start with first, like, love, which is caring. Show the kid that you care. And I would focus, and you're really doing more cognitive as well, sort of how to ask, you're teaching him. But a large part would be focused on behavior. For kids like that, I find there's a lot of behavioral needed reinforcements again and again. And sort of maybe have, your, have a chart, like set up, what are my goals for this week or for the next two weeks? To stay calm, not to react, to teach how to say I'm frustrated or to say certain terms or to say I need help. And just focus on those three, four points. If you focus on three, four points, you get there. I just heard it was a wonderful um, little success story. But I have on my phone line where people are asking different questions. And one of the questions was of a mother saying that she has a teenage daughter 
which is wonderful, Baruch Hashem, successful, personality, friends and everything. The only issue is that she's obese. And she wants to do the band, and the pediatrician says it's actually not healthy for her, and there's no need to do that. And the question was, should she have her daughter do a more extreme diet or not? And my response was, if we can sort of shift out of this program where we are today, as I heard in many shiurim, called the plastic generation, that we need everything right away. You know, you just get the plastic cup, you drink it, you throw it out. And we can just stay and focus with things a little bit longer. If we can just lose a pound a week, a half a pound, or three quarters of a pound a week, five pounds a month, and if we just stick to that for 12, week, for 12 months, we're talking about losing 60 pounds. That's huge. And that's very doable if we just do it on a slow, normal, healthy process, changing our eating habits, doing a little bit of exercise, not extreme exercise that people are doing those major fluctuations. And I, I would recommend the same concept to you. If you're getting 10 hours a week, you have now the next four months, five months to work with this kid. If you just take three targeted behaviors, but they're fundamental behaviors to a person, there are huge shifts that can happen in four months if you just take three targeted behaviors and stick to them. Huge, huge, huge shifts. And that's something that I focus and I keep my mind on with therapy. Go, always go for the fundamentals. Go for the basics. You change the basics and you see huge changes in other places as well. And then ignore the other stuff? It's not ignoring. It's starting. you got to start somewhere, especially where there are so many issues. you got to pick one or two behaviors. And you will find that when you can get almost all issues, I find, are interlinked. So if you can get one issue grounded, solid, then you're going to see a big change with the other ones. So okay. The, Thank you. You're very welcome. The it. number to call in for your question or comment and the topic that we are discussing is family members with adult children in the house that have issues, how it affects the house. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Talking about this topic, if there are adult children in the house that have issues, how it affects the house. So we started having the question that we had from the Lakewood Scoop and the caller the question that sort of was is that there's a 19 year old girl that a brother that's controlling and has anger issues the parents don't feel they can do anything and it affected her self-esteem now we're going to go discuss the children when there are older siblings that has an issue that have difficulties what is going to happen is the family around either pick up that the parents don't have strength the parents are feeling that they're frustrated and they're not available many times these children <clears throat> or adult children need to act out. They need to get attention, and it's through negative behaviors that they're doing, which, again, in professional terms, it's called positive. It's called doing actions, but in negative, as we call it, negative behaviors that now affect other children. So they can be angry. They can be depressed. There are certain children that feel, even successful children, that will feel guilty. Look how happy I am, and my brother or my sister has got such an issue. I'm Baksham, happily married, and this one can't get married. We're afraid to share simplest. We're afraid to go over to parents. There's a lot of emotions that go on that feel not positive, not good about themselves, all because there is an adult sibling in the house that is having a difficult time, and there are feelings of guilt. But one of the painful ones are as we have from this 19-year-old girl that she's working now for about two years and she's building up her confidence and when she's around that brother that would attack her or or sort of make fun of her whatever he's doing her self-esteem now there's a clash the old program of where i was sort of the butt of all the jokes and i was the brunt of all the attacking or 
Now she's starting to say, I'm worth. People value me. People are actually complimenting me. And these points are important to recognize. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And the topic or any question that you have regarding the mental health field, but it's about if there are adults that have some emotional issues, how it affects the family and how other siblings get affected by that. So questions or comments is 718-683-5858. I'd also like to thank our wonderful technician over here, Aaron, for hosting, for taking care of all the, techni all the technical details of this program, which, of course, you can watch us live on the Lakewood Scoop on Yeshiva World and now thanking Matsav.com for hosting this program as well for hosting this program, but of course, always to thank the jrootradio.com where you can watch us live, where you can see it, and where you're able to um, thank the radio show for hosting. So, Aaron, to take him for your wedding, simchas, bar mitzvahs, any simcha that you've got, the number is 347-370-9083, 347-370-9083. We are going, again, looking forward. Let's get your questions or comments, 718 683-5858-783-5858. And again, the topic is if there's a family member that has an issue, how it affects you and how to deal with that. So what I would like us to recognize is, and here's where the difficult part comes in. One of the difficulties when there's a family member that has uh, an issue is sometimes family members try to become the therapist. We become a little called codependent, means we need the other person to get better. We're going to try to take over their jobs. We're going to try to emotionally cadoodle them and go, oh, I feel so bad for you. And maybe I could help you with this. And many times it helps. And many times therapists do that as an initial stage. But when you're not strong enough, unfortunately, from the initial stage, what happens is we get caught up into that stage, which means we're not able to move on out of it. And many times when a person, a sibling has got an issue, they're not ready to move on or they need someone to do a little ABA, a little behavioral therapy, which is a lot more, we've got goals. It's not about liking you. It's not about not liking you. You need to accomplish, you must accomplish those goals. And when you can get that, there is a big shift. There is a big change, but not always can we get that. Aaron, can we see, can I have the screen change so I can see callers and along those lines, please? The number to call in for your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Now, this point about creating boundaries, not getting caught up into the codependence where you want to be the therapist and your life got starts getting taken over and all of a sudden the parents start calling you, I think you should do this, I think you should do that. It's very, I, should, I don't want to use the word dangerous, but emotionally unhealthy for you and for your family when you start becoming the therapist, now you're allowed to help out, but when you become a therapist and you become emotionally entangled or stuck into it, we get difficult, we get caught up, our marriage gets affected, our children get affected, it drains us, we're not able to focus where we need to go to. And one of the downsides of codependence is where you think you're helping, but it might be the initial stage, but after that, our being involved actually slows it down and hinders the success of the therapeutic process moving on. And that's important when we can send and get others, those family members, to help. There was a question that has come through the phone line, and that question was an old one, that someone has a brother that is on drugs. I don't know if this was a man or a lady asking, if it's a brother or a sister asking, but when the question came through and the response was, 
What are your parents doing to remain in the process? And this uh, answer was, unfortunately, the parents are giving him money or when money is being stolen and they're assuming where it's happening from, it's much easier to blame the Gaita than to go say it's probably this brother that is stealing for their negative behavior. So what we need to do is, what we want to see is to have an awareness that codependence, maybe at first it's healthy to help the person, but after that, it unfortunately holds everyone back. And it's not, when we got to be able to do the tough love, being that we're family, it's going to be harder to do. When we need to say, now I can't be available, all of a sudden you can have other siblings get involved. How could you be so mean? What's going on? That's important. We're going to go to Rachel on line one. Rachel, you're on the air with Mordechai. And again, for those of you, please call in. We are, um, okay, we're going to go to another caller. But we'll deal with that in a minute. Let's go back to the question from the Lakewood Scoop. Again, the number to call in, 718-683-5858, The question now is, when you have this 19-year-old girl and she's finding that her brother is sort of attacking her, her brother is sort of, let's say, emotionally, she's being knocked down, one of the steps to start doing is a little cognitive therapy. What are my weaknesses? What are words that he's saying over and over? Is he saying I'm stupid? Is he manipulating me? Is he saying I'll never amount to anything? These are very important points for us to realize what words were hammered in. That's our weaknesses now. It means that is a master key to open up a door that we don't want to open up. If we don't want to open up that door and someone's got the key, we need to learn that we have to have the bolt to say we are answering or we're not answering. It's got to be within us to deal with that. Now, step one is to recognize what are the words that he uses. Step two is for you to start having now cognitive solutions that I'm stupid. No, I'm not. To start saying this is a person speaking out of pain. This is a person that is maybe using manipulation tools. That is the focus that we want to know, that we want to have. The number to call in, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We're probably also going to be discussing one more topic that I would like to bring up that I find extremely important, and that is along this line, is finding the success within yourself. So let's take this 19-year-old girl. While she's starting to have successes out there, it's building a self-confidence. And it is almost a trap, which means we need to have the outside where we have a strength within ourselves, where we are able to deal with stuff. So you need an outside world reinforcing that we're successful, but we need the inside telling us to do that. That's step one. So we need the inside world and we need the outside world balancing. I find that a lot of parents and adults are not able to recognize their successes. What are my strengths? Am I smart? Am I intelligent? Um, we'll take over your question that came in through the J-Root, um, through the question. I have a 24-year-old living in home. She doesn't help, and Yiddish and Yiddishkeit-wise is not being a good example for the younger siblings. Or another question we have, what should a child do if their parents has paranoia and criticizes the child falsely constantly? Whoa, okay, that's two different questions. Let's go first to the question of 24-year-old living at home. She doesn't help, and Yiddishkeit isn't going good. Is an example. First point is, when she's not helping, here is where we're going to go to the same point about the parents. This is the main goal that I would like to realize, and from bringing up this topic. Parents, at all times, you have the power. 
in that family where the parents weren't going to help out with the drugs with a drug issue i do know because i did get a follow-up message about that and the kid actually went to rehab when did that happen when another family member took over took the role of the parents started doing a lot of the behavioral tough love was sent to a therapist that has experience dealing with drug addiction and what changed was that older sibling became now that parent figure and once you change the dynamics things change if you have a 24 year old living at home she's not helping with there is a solution there are powers there are points within your help to do and just some of them can't be out of anger set the rules but i'm going to tell you suggestions i know you cannot do because you really need the help and the guidance number one is start setting up boundaries this is what will be happening what you'll be doing you got to get up in the morning you've got to have certain levels of responsibility step two what's going to be happening is you are also going to be in a positive example to your siblings and what you're going to be doing and whatever they should be helping out say good morning davin that's the second point third point is to start helping the person you yourself are a person what are you doing for yourself what will make you feel happy within yourself what are some goals that you have 24 year olds need that and it's very important so we'd like to thank the lakewood school for having this question here we're going to now go to a bit of a different area and this is why i suggest parents when you have an older child that is in the house that has issues and you were not able to get them to a therapist i recommend you go to a therapist why is that because when these are older children now that are in the house it's they were able to sort of fake the system survive get the passing grades go from one teacher to the next but in life they don't have the skills and the tools to survive in life and what happens therefore is now that they are stuck when they get older and now shaduchim people are you going on a date people are aware that there are issues their issues now are too loud that you've got to face it you've got to see them and unfortunately if a kid is in pain it's very difficult or if a child is in pain or if an adult is in pain it's very difficult to have them change it's very difficult to have them start doing therapy if someone's got a broken leg try to have them do the marathon and here's where that balance that dangerous balance comes in where you need a therapist are we enabling them and pitying them and feeling bad for them and saying oh my child had such a hard time they have a disability and therefore they will now stay and remain with that disability or are we using it as a therapeutic model to first to connect with coaching with suggesting and pushing them to keep on moving which in those terms we're not massaging their ego and telling them you're great just stay there while they're doing nothing i'm so proud of you that you got your head out of bed today oh i'm so proud of you you watch nagelwasser or i'm so that might be part of a process if there is a build-up if there's a method if there's someone guiding you if someone is 24 years old or as this first question on the lakewood scoop said that she has a 26 year old brother that's still full of anger the parents need guidance over how to deal with it it is an issue that needs to be addressed the question to call up about this topic or about a topic the importance of positive reinforcement recognizing your strengths within yourselves before you want to do something that number is 718-683-5858 that's 718-683-5858 so looking for your questions or comments your host is mordechai weinberger lcsw mordechai weinberger licensed clinical social work again the number is 718-683-5858 the importance of focusing and recognizing why is it important for you to know your strengths why is it important for your children to know their strengths why is it important that when you go on an interview 
and you're walking in feeling, I've got several tools, I have several qualifications, even if it's not about this job, that will then help you and build you up to be clear and to be strong as to weigh and to be who you are. The number to call in is again 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And again, the importance, topic importance of knowing your strength or family members that unfortunately are going through a difficult situation, how it affects the rest of the family. We're going to go to line three, to Bella. You're on the air with Mordechai. Hello, Bella? Hello? Hello? Yes. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. It's not exactly answering this question, but I just want to have a question in general. Okay. What is your opinion of teenagers, like let's say age 13 to 18, listening to your program and listening to your um, phone line? That's an interesting. Let's shift it to you first. What are your thoughts on the matter? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, they're going to be listening. <laughs> <laughs> if I say my opinion, um, I, I don't feel so good about them being exposed to every problem that's out there. Yes. And um, even though they are in life anyways, and a lot of times the um, advice that you're giving, they might be hearing it, it might be negated to them, and then they'll know uh, like what the tricks are that you're trying to work with them, and they're knowing now the inside story. <laughs> Okay, so let's first address the first part. Now I'll give you my thoughts, and please stand the line, so I'd like to work this out with you. I am actually very aware that there are a lot of teenagers listening to it, and sometimes I even hear that there are certain schools that I know it's like the next day topic and discussion, what was discussed when they listened to it. Therefore, I am very, very conscientious about what is discussed, what topics are brought up, and I don't know if you're aware of, but there are about five, six topics that I refuse to discuss no matter what, no matter the ratings that I know it will give because they're interested, but I feel it's not appropriate. Certain topics, I believe, are very appropriate and need to be discussed, but they need to be done in a sneeze way, in a private fashion, one-on-one, -on -one, and therefore I do not address them on air. Um, I would say that most issues that are brought up and brought on are issues that I feel teenagers know about or, they're, or they hear about that and they see it all the time. So today a title of OCD, depression, anxiety, a kid that doesn't go to school, unfortunately in the mental health field there isn't a family that doesn't have some level about that. Um, there was, let's say, one or two topics that I did give, let's say, the waiver on my phone line, for example, when we had High Lifeline. And the main goal was how to bring positivity and to realize, like, to change the concept of that every cancer is a death sentence. And that was the goal of the program, which I did when we had on my phone line, was sort of a waiver on what we told people that be aware that this is a topic coming up. But in general, I would say that I have a pretty, you know, I trust myself that every topic was brought up was appropriate for teenagers, for from teenagers to hear. There were sometimes one or two questions that I felt were not. And they were actually removed, at least on my phone line, right away. And over here on the phone, over here on the radio, we also removed them, and we put an effort on that. So even if someone calls live, we may, I put a major emphasis that it should be age appropriate and especially from appropriate for all ages. On the second part that you mentioned, that if the children or teenagers listen, they will know the tools that I am using. I'll tell you a secret. I find teenagers are so smart. They know the tools that I'm doing on them right away. And I feel very comfortable telling them, you're right, but this is just part of life. So especially when this behavior, when they go, so pick a goal, you got to get up and they didn't do it. Well, then what do you want to do? Well, what are we going to do next week? 
Why didn't it work? And they go, oh, stop that. I go, but this is what we got to do. This is what I do to myself. This is what I will do with you. And what other tools are there? Do you need to have a consequence? Do you find that you need more motivation? Do you find... So I find that I'm very transparent in my work. I usually don't have secrets. I'm usually very direct and open with my clients. And I don't mind telling them all my tools. The point is not about knowing what I'm doing. The point is about implementing what I'm doing. And that is a focus that I try to work on. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yes. Now, uh, yeah. since you asked the question, now I'm going to try to go a little deeper. What is the real purpose of your question? What are you concerned about? Do you have a child that you don't want listening are you worried that I'm sharing secrets that your children are using it against you? What is the deeper purpose? I just, you know, as much as we can shelter our children, even though things are out there that, you know, they're out there, I just, why do they have to hear about, you know, things that maybe they wouldn't have heard about, whether it's drugs or whether it's alcohol, uh, people that are, like, why do they have to hear all this? If, if they don't have to. Well, first, let's be real. I, do, I have not, and I had a very strong urge to bring on uh, an addiction counselor because I feel it's very important. However, I also have not done that for one of those purposes. I did not want to focus a program focused on that. Right. But unfortunately, you know what? No, that, that's definitely a point, and it's very rarely mentioned on this, on this program. Yes, definitely, okay. f exactly for that specific reason. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. We're going to go to line two, Torino. You're on the air with Mordechai, the number to call into your question or comment. And the program is about um, two topics, really two focuses. One is adult children in the house, that so they might have some issue, how it affects the house. And along those lines is how we can find the importance of finding your, knowing your strengths, as we have from the question from the Lakewood Scoop, where that girl was sort of being knocked down by her brother, what we can do and how we can build up the strength within ourselves, once you know your strengths, how it changes, it's a game changer, that now those negative words don't seem to affect you. The number for your question or comment about that field or about anything else in the mental health field is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Rina, on line two, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, Hora. First of all, thank you very much. I really appreciate the program, and I feel that I gain a lot from it. Thank you. Um, I have a question not on this topic, but about my daughter, who's, let's say, like five, six years old, yes. something like that. And she comes home every day with prizes um, that people just give her. <laughs> she doesn't know, she doesn't know, like, where she, you know, she officially doesn't know why she got it, and she'll sometimes she'll tell me, you know, a baloney story that her teacher gave it to me when it wasn't true because her teacher didn't give it to her. Finally, we've gotten that out of her that it wasn't from her teacher. Um, but let's say, for example, yesterday she was emptying her briefcase and I see a whole collection of, like, nice prizes. It wasn't little erasers, like kids' things, toys, prizes, whatever. And I asked her, you know, where'd you get it from? And she said, oh, from my friends. I said, why? I don't know. I said, I like I kept questioning her, and she didn't officially. She didn't trade anything, and she nothing. But she doesn't know why she got it. <laughs> and we constantly have this. Like she'll bring home something else from school, and somebody gave it to her. And sometimes it's not the truth. <laughs> so how do I deal with her? Well, first let's take it a step further. Where is she getting that? Let's be more blunt. Is she stealing it, quote-unquote, which I call borrowing. When little kids are taking it, they still don't get the concept of stealing. They get the concept that they want something, 
they get the concept of not allowed to have it, so they get smarter and they use quote unquote like they steal it, but they they take it. But do you think she's taking other other kids' items without their permission? So she definitely does steal. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying, and I've. So I would like to change life. that word. Let's now change the word. So she's taking without being aware yet of the word steal. Because when we start labeling kids stealing or. Mm -hmm, Donna, right. Right. So she is still, remember, five year olds are still very close to that two year old and three year old and four year old. 100%. Where when they want something, they just take it and they're used to getting what they want by either grabbing it or just crying. No, I understand. She doesn't understand that concept completely. But I do explain to her how we're not allowed to. Like, even let's say she once took a gum. Okay, this is a little while ago, but from a store. I'm like, we could buy it for you, but you have to. We have to pay for it. You can't just take it. So she has had that she has taken from school, and she came home with the whole story how her teacher gave it to her, and she says it with a very straight face, like okay. extremely straight face. So let's be now very her. clear. So let's go ahead and address it head on. Head on is you need to inform the teacher. Step one. Step two is you're going to want the teacher checking her briefcase to make sure that um, what she's got there. And then you tell her, look, this item we need to ask. Did you want to give it to her? Did you ask? No, we do it. And either way, even if she would want to give it, we can start a rule saying you do not get anything from anyone but what mommy buys it to you. So we check your briefcase. If you have something there, we give it back. Step one. Step two is we start teaching her over and over we're going to go to a store you see that toy you want it good and now you're not going to take it and it takes about two weeks of training this is yours you see it this is yours this is not yours and you can practice it with other siblings you want it we have to ask can you take it and if the sister says yes you can have it then the next step is the you know, trainer to say mommy can i please have it she lets and everything can be taught remember we're teaching a three-year-old to wear a yarmulke we are teaching little kids to daven and how to be dressed and how to use the bathroom. This is just the next stage, which is a normal process, age appropriate, but it still has to be taught and we still need the teacher to be aware of it, where the teacher will now be checking things. If someone says, teacher, I lost something, the teacher might check her, let's say her briefcase or check her thing and not make a big deal. You stole. It's we're now teaching you. Let's say we'll call her, we'll call her Khani. Khani, we ask. What are we going to do if you want something? You ask. And right now, we're not taking anything. So you can tell the teacher, I want something also, and we'll work on it. So so it happens to be that she doesn't, she, after we, we got to the court and she admitted that she took the thing from the teacher, she, she gave it back. She gave it back right away. Yes. And she knows, and she, she's not going to, she has not been taken from the teacher. And I believe that she won't. Like, she really... Lawrence, and even from a store, she really hasn't, and we were even recently in a store, and she really wanted something, and we said no, and she put it back, and That's she right. hasn't taken The thing is, she's coming home now with prizes from friends that gave it to her. Okay. They officially gave it to her. Now, let's let stop. Her let's it. hold on. Hold on. Friend. First stop. Pat yourself on the back and yeah. understand that it's a normal age-appropriate issue that you've dealt with. Wonderful. Which means Thank you. you taught her. <laughs> How not to take from the from the store. You've taught her now that you don't take from a teacher, and we just need to continue the education. That's it. Just continue the education now teaching how we don't take it from friends. So one of those ways are you can have the teacher now practice with her or review her briefcase, or you have those six items which you tell her, I'm now writing a letter to your Mora saying, the teacher saying that we're going to give back these five, six items because we took it and we don't take anyone's items, period. And once that happens, you've now taught her the next level. 
The question is that ha- I don't know if she Peshawar took it or they we did. We do give it know. To her or yes, we do. Kids do not give away items generally, and maybe they give one kid gives away. Unless your daughter is asking, which means she's asking many kids, which we want to stop that behavior too. Be happy with right. what you got. Either that or she is taking, but you can have the mower simply ask the other kids, did you give it? Did you want to give it? Or the safest way to do it is tell the mower to tell the class, we don't share now items to take home. You can share for a couple of minutes, but no one can give away items, which is mm-hmm. normal at that age. You can have a seven, eight-year-old boy that's thought, oh, I gave my Nintendo game, you know, a $60 item, or I took this from my family. I took the camera from my sister. You know, these are items you don't share. You don't right. borrow. And again, it's age-appropriate, right along the line, healthy and clear. Okay, thank you very much. Thank really you for the it. question. Yes, the number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW, licensed clinical social worker. And the topic that we're discussing, but again, your question or comment can be about any topic or question that you have, is about having adult children in the house that has issues, how it affects the house, And similar along those lines is a topic, the importance of knowing your worth, your confidence within yourself when you're in such a situation or how it has helped you in other places. We're going to go to line six to Miriam. You're on the air with Mordechai. Yes, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. I really enjoy your program. My pleasure. Thank you. Once again, like the other call before me, it's not about today's topic. I'm diverting a little bit from the topic as well. Go ahead. Is that okay with you if I divert from the topic? You got it. The, the program over here is for the listeners. It's just many times okay. when we want to get a topic, if there's an interest in that or some need, so that was the point of it. It's a starting point. It's here for, I'm here for you guys. Okay, so I have a child that just turned 10 years old. He is obese. And I sat down with him and I said to him, you know, you're at a point where you're, it's, if you don't, take it to your hands, you're going to be Khalil Vachaz, a diabetic. And he looks at me, and he says to me, but I'd like to eat. I said to him, I understand that, Tatala, but you can't eat what you want because you have a little bit of a problem. He looks at me, and he says, okay. And then he scarves down the food within five minutes, a whole nine-inch plate worth of food, what he's allowed to have, within, within five minutes, he can finish a whole plate. Okay. Let's so, take... So the... I said to him like this, he's 10 years old, I said to him, how about let's count the amount of bites it takes you to chew a piece of steak. You have to chew with at least five to six times each bite. He looks at me, then I... Then you're going to take away my food from me. I looked at him. I said to him, why would I do that? I don't know, Mommy, but I'm afraid Mommy's going to take away my food. All right. So your question is? My question is, how do we build up this 10-year-old's confidence that, you know, I'm not taking away the food from him fully over heart. He feels that I'm taking away the food from him. And how do we get him to where he feels that he's eating like a machine? Okay. So let's, you know, let's identify to... this on two levels. There is first an emotional level about food that I find that people find food as it's a loving feeling, which means... Oh, yes, definitely. He's an emotional leader, definitely. Yes. And there's a he's second point leader. that I find that certain children 
Really? The Rabbanishlam has given them an extra appetite for food that they really enjoy a steak, and it gives them huge pleasure. Yes. One of the points, and I would like to focus on both areas, but I first want to focus on the second part, where kids have enjoyment at a food, and it's part of our job as parents to be able to teach children to regulate themselves, which means just like summertime when they're outside and they don't want to come into the house because they're having a great time and they're playing, but you got to do homework, it's part of our job to make sure that we regulate the times just like when children or when us adults, we make a paycheck. Let's say you make $1,000 a week and you want to spend it all, but you know you got to have bills. You know you have other areas where you got to do it, so you're not going to go on a shopping spree in a mall. The budgeting, that's part of our job as parents to be able to help your son with or our children with. And we need to be comfortable to be able to tell a child there is a weight that is needs to be healthy for us to get to. So I don't mind that you're enjoying food. I don't mind. In fact, we'll give you all the food. And that's one of the benefits I like about a lot of the dietitians today are a lot more, I should say, with it, that they're not here to put you on a diet. They're here to change a way of food for life, which means you can have steak. You can have every item out there, but it's got to be on a healthy level. The point is moderation. The point is at something that's healthy. And your goal with your son is going to be, we're going to give you supper, but you're going to eat X amount and only that amount. And when you want more... You're going to be able to tell yourself, I know I want more. It's like I want to be outside and play after the time or when I don't want to go to sleep at night for bedtime. But I will learn that and I will know how to do that. This is part of my job to help you with the balance. The kids will be upset at first or at the second time, but then they will do it. And I find that when parents and when children, when they have in their mindset, this is healthy for my kid, this is just like getting putting a kid to sleep, it's important, the kids will get it and they will accept it. It's when we have emotional guilt. It's when the parents aren't consistent. It's when the kid throws a fit and then they're able to get us to change what we're doing. That is when many times the issue that's at hand when we give in and the kids know if I throw a fit, I'll get the extra food. Many times it's about us, the parents, changing. Now oh, that's, that's, not, that's not the problem. And I told him straight off the bat, I said to him like this, you could... Break up your, I told, I gave him an answer. I said to him, you could break up your food, meaning you have this place to finish, but you could break it up. Like, let's say okay, you Okay, but let's get something clear. So what's wrong if he knocks down his food within five minutes, but he's not getting any more? What's because the, he'll tell me ten minutes later, I am hungry, Mom. Excellent. And here's, okay, and the next step is where we educate him, saying that feeling that you have is, let's say, a stomach where you can do some psychological, this is more cognitive awareness, saying, your stomach is actually full. Now, what happens is a gas tank, like in a car, it says full. It says sometimes three-quarters full. There's a half There's a half indicator when it's half full, then it's a quarter full. And then you have, like, when it's the last 5%, there's, like, a red light indicator. And what we want to educate your son is when you're feeling that little feelings, that's normal. And kids feel it. It only means you're three-quarters full. You're not hungry that your body needs more food. It's an awareness that your mind is saying, I'm at three-quarters full. doesn't mean to eat. We eat only three times a day, and we eat at those times. Your body has more than enough to last the rest of the time. But when we're not aware of that, when we, when we mistake that the body is only three-quarters full and we fill up the gas, you're always running to gas tanks, to, to gas stations. And that is my job where you tell them, we wait till it's three times, till it goes down to the red line. That's when people eat. Okay, I think I'm going to try that with him. Yes, but and the awareness is... I, that's right. So you tell him, I understand that you feel that need to eat, 
But here's what we need to teach your brain. This does not mean you're hungry that you need to eat. This is a body giving you a light, an indicator, just like an elevator goes up each floor and sometimes, which we have now the laws in the last 15, 20 years, for those that are blind, they should be able to know when you're passing a floor that, and then the next, all that you're having now, that motion, that feeling is telling you, oh, we just passed another level. The tank is going down, but we only eat three times a day. Also, another point that you were making out before when you opened up the show about uh, La Hotville, people with drug addicts. Yes. Unfortunately, in our community, we have people that come knocking at the door to collect tzedakah. A lot of these people that come to the door are drug addicts, so we have to be careful when we do shell out money. I mean, people that are coming very close to Shabbos, me particularly, I have my suspicions whether they're Jewish or not, when they're coming 20 minutes to a half an hour to Shabbos. I will you tell know. you, I agree with you with, uh, uh, on that percent, that there are a percentage of people that are doing that, and we really should know who we give the tzedakah to. I find myself on the other end where I know, unfortunately, so many people that need tzedakah, and my heart goes out to each and every one of them that I can't give more, that I can't even give at certain times. Right, so, so I tell my children, I never, ever turn somebody away if they are really, really destitute. I do not give money because I talk, do not know if they're drug addicts. I will give them food instead. Very nice. Very nice. Because like this, Very nice. they yes. have what they need for Shabbos. Okay, right. I, I got you and that concept, I'd let everyone there and thank you for the awareness about that. I really appreciate it. Okay, We're going to go to Mayor on line 5. Mayor, you're on the air with Mordechai and the number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858 718-683-5858 and again, the topic which you can ask any question that you have is about positive understanding the importance of knowing your confidence when you're going into something to know your confidence and when you have an older child in the house that has issues how the house is affected Mayor, you're on the air with Mordechai. How you doing, Mordechai? Fantastic, Baruch Hashem. Okay, so I'm calling about two callers ago that they said about her daughter that's stealing. Yes. First of all, I just wanted to know why are you against using the terminology stealing? Because when something is age-appropriate, it is part of an education process. If you tell me there's a 20-year-old, I call that stealing. You talk right. about a 5-year-old, it's age-appropriate at that age to say, I want something. At that age, remember, when they're three years old, they're able to just grab it. They're able to just say it's mine, and we don't call it stealing them. That's when we're educating them. Five years old is still in that level, but at five is when they're more aware of what they're doing, where we can give more information, but it's still not stealing. And I find the same even with seven to ten-year-old kids. Many times when kids are in camp and they're stealing, I disagree, and sometimes kids get labeled for stealing. Most of the time, the kids that are quote-unquote at those times in camps that are stealing they're not. They come from a background, families where they're not getting what they need, or their basic necessities aren't met, or there's a lot of yelling and screaming going on, or the only way to survive is right. by taking things quietly. So it's really re-education. Stealing 100%. is when the guy's already a teenager, and I find people get stuck. Right. You, you cannot judge and whatever, but on the other side of the coin, you know, it's, it's very important to stress that there's a very, very big responsibility on parents to really be mechanical like kids. You know, people think that, oh, we're from, so, you know, these things are given. No, they're not a given. You have to teach your kids, you cannot steal. You yes. cannot lie. You know what I mean? That's Otherwise, right. more or less, you're being, you're, you know, you're raising a kid that could grow up a criminal. It starts with a piece of gum, you know, a couple years later, a, a bigger toy, you know, a couple of dollars, and then a couple years down the line, he's stealing thousands and thousands of dollars. 
Exactly. You know, these things could happen. Exactly. Exactly. We have to, we have to be mechanic our kids. You cannot steal. You know what I mean? Good. So will you do that a to a six-month-old baby as well? A six-month-old baby? Obviously, there's a time and a place for everything. That's the point, and that's why I said it's age-appropriate to that right. five-year-old, and that's why I did not want to call it stealing, because that's not the issue of stealing. Right. That's an issue of education, which the mother has said that they taught the kid how to not take from the teacher and how not to take from a store. So that was educated. Now we just need to extend that education to that to the friends, which is still age-appropriate. Classic. I remember when I was a kid, so I once, you know, I, I borrowed, as you were saying, something from the camp. Yeah. And my father found out about it. He took me down to the head of the camp and the, the director, and he made me give it back in front of him. Yes. You know, and that really ingrained in me, you know? That's and right. And now it's just ingrained in me. That's you right. You really have to be mechanic for kids. You can't just expect it as a given that they'll understand it. We have to, we have to show not. them like that. It's more than that. Anything that we do not educate will not be taught. And we need to realize from, from tying our shoes that we're taught to behavior to when a godel comes in that we stand up, everything is taught. And that is something that I find in today's generation we're, we're, we're starting to lack a little in that. You know, we're not standing up for yeah. others. Some of the basic olive bays that uh, I feel we need to focus more on. So I agree with you 1,000%, Mayor. Yeah. And also, you could preach from today till tomorrow till you're blue in the face. At the end of the day, the kids are going to learn by example. So you have to live up to your word. You know, you have to practice what you preach. It's a great quote. You know, people play stick. You know, we'll try to get away with this. You know, we'll cut the line here. We'll, you know, we'll, whatever it is. I'm not going to go give examples, but kids see that and they learn. You know, they read between the lines and they see the real, you know, they see the real you and they, they, they see through it. There's a daily, I send out a daily quote every day, a daily motivational quote a daily. Yeah, I get that. So one of the quotes similar to those lines are, Ma, I can't hear what you're saying because your actions are screaming. Right. You know, many times we say one thing, but our actions are screaming another, and therefore we cannot hear the words that you're saying. So action is a large part of chinuch, is actually what we do. One classic. Maybe we ourselves should be more careful of these things, stealing, you know? True, but again, when it's a five-year-old kid, we need to educate oh, it. When it's 10, 15, we got to know already a little bit more. You come a little stronger. You need to supervise it. You need to be on top of that. Right. Reb Meir, do you have a question as well? Up, you know, just you got to be mechanichim. Wonderful. All right, take care, man. Wonderful. Thank you for calling in. Thanks for your feedback, for your comment. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, Looking forward for your question or comment. And we got um, Sarah. Sarah on line one. You're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, I, at first, I wasn't sure if people can call in with regular questions because you mentioned that you had a topic. Yes. But I do have a question that's a little off the topic. I have Go ahead, please. I have a 13-and-a-half-year-old. Yes. And the next one under him is seven. Yes. Um, there's tremendous, tremendous, um, I don't know what the word. Fighting? Conflict. Conflict. At some times. It seems as though that when the seven-year-old was born, the 13-and-a-half-year-old, which was six-and-a-half at the time, he, he, there was a big shift. Yes. And I, I saw it right away. Yes. And I know it's normal. Yes. The problem is, is that it's, as the advice we've gotten over the years was, unc- like, just show your love to him. He's doubting it. He's, but 
we've seen times where it was okay, and then sometimes there's like an explosion, like almost as though it's been repressed and and it just comes out in such an explosion that it's, it really scares me as a parent. Yep. Like, what is this, and, and what do I do now? He's old enough to talk to. Yelling at him not to fight doesn't help. The seven-year-old knows how to push all his buttons. Yes. And I'm just wondering how many, like, what now, what do I do now? Okay. You know, it's seven years later. So we're going to do a couple of little examples, a couple of little pointers, and you'll tell me how they work with you. Step number one is communication. Mm-hmm. means you speak to your 13-year-old, and 13-year-olds are adults on many levels. Again, there are kids on many levels, but there are also adults on many levels. And to actually first be very direct with him, let's say we'll call him Chaim. Chaim, what's going on that with this 7-year-old you're being very triggered, and you're going to ask very pointed, direct questions? Are you jealous? Do you feel he takes away love? And he might say, no, what's happening is he gets away of being the baby. He bothers me. And instead of being responsible onto him as you are when I do something wrong, you just let him get away with it. And it's not fair. Mm-hmm. He might be open. He might say that that's the issue. Then the next step will be with him, with your 13-year-old. So what can we do? Because this is a normal issue among families. When you get angry, when he's doing something, please tell me. And know that babies, the youngest kid in the family, know how to get away with stuff. And this is a normal issue that adult children or older children have about the youngest kid. They're the ones that usually do the least tasks. Mm -hmm. These are the ones that know how to get out of most of their jobs. And the older ones have to take it over. These are the ones that many times the older ones say, when I didn't want to do homework at that age, you you were so upset you made me do it. He doesn't want to do homework and he gets away with it. When I want to fly somewhere, I want to go to a certain camp. You said, I can't go till I'm 13, and he's going already at 11. Mm-hmm. And one of the points that we address, so number one is, first, be open, identifying that there is an issue. B, start suggest, uh, or second part, start suggesting, like, reasons. Is it because you're jealous? Is it because of this? They will tell you either yes, or they will then tell you what the issue is. Okay, so I've done that step already. Good. Hold on. Then there's the next step. So what did you get? No, I want to hear from you. The answer was is that he drives him crazy, and the truth is he does. Okay, now let's take a step. I'll give you an example. Yes. It's a silly example. He'll be listening to a CD, and he knows that this brother is very mocked on not shutting it in the middle because it's an MP3 that has so many things on it that if he messes up his place, he doesn't know where it's holding. Yes. And this seven-year-old will go and shut it in the middle. Now, let's, I mean, that is like really being a terrorist. Now, let's stop one thing over there. What yeah. would you do if your seven-year-old was your oldest and you had a four-year-old and now the four-year-old is crying because the music stopped? Well, the seven-year-old gets a consequence. Good. Now, does that happen to this Yes, moment? he does. He does get a consequence. So, okay, but now the problem take... is, is that the 13-year-old flies off his handle Hold on, so now we stop there. Now, hold on, so now we go. So now you take the step further now to the 13-year-old. Okay. If someone, if you would have done that at 7 years old, there would be a consequence. I took mm-hmm. care of it. Why are you still angry? And what the 13-year-old will mm-hmm. respond is, it's not a real punishment because he'll do it again. Okay, right. Is that what he probably says? He might say that Excellent. because he might do it again. That's right. And now the question is, well, so, what now what the, so now what the 13-year-old is not a jealousy issue. A 13-year-old is saying, I'm not feeling safe. means right. my privacy isn't. And as parents, again, we're not chas shalom blame. We're just saying, as parents, I'm not feeling safe in my house. Now, let's that focus. is true. Yes. 
Now, let's focus it. So let's not say that the 13, as of now, what we're hearing so far, the 13-year-old isn't jealous. The 13-year-old is saying, I don't have privacy. I don't have my stuff. The 7-year-old seven, the seven is getting away with stuff. So now let's focus on the 7-year-old. What tools do you have to get the 7-year-old to stop doing what he's doing instead of consequences? Because if he still does it again, when he got a consequence, means it didn't work. Okay. I don't have a okay. lot of tools, honestly. So let's go ahead and start trying some behavioral training with your 7-year-old. So you're going to have an MP3 player working when the 13-year-old isn't, isn't home yet. And you're going to tell him you want to touch it. You turn the music on and now walk right by. Don't touch it. But I want to. Don't touch it. And you're going to practice for about three, four times a day how he's not going to touch it. Remember, we teach children to wear a yarmulke on mm -hmm. by practicing. And he'll touch it once. Okay, now we'll practice it again five minutes later. Don't touch it. You touch it, he'll be the consequence. You want to start getting the seven-year-old to listen. And remember, being that he's the youngest, they know they can get away with it. They have that cute little smile. They give you those little puppy eyes. And somehow <laughs> they get away with it. This is a normal issue of youngest child. And if they say, I don't want to walk by it, I don't want to do this exercise. Then you're going to do a consequence. So then here's a consequence because we need to teach you how to act like a seven-year-old or how to act part mm -hmm. of a family system. Part of a family system means you cannot do that. Okay. You cannot touch that. And there might, you'll find a 13-year-old to tell you that three main behaviors that the seven-year-old does that is not appropriate, that has to be stopped. Right. And because it's happening over and over, the 13-year-old just yells. One of them can be, if let's say they have separate rooms or if they have a certain drawer that's the 13-year-old's right. that's private. It cannot be touched. And seven-year-olds can begin to get, can get that lesson. So you're going to identify the three big issues that the 13-year-old has. And now it's part of your chinuch job to get the seven-year-old to understand this is not touchable. This is mm -hmm. something we don't do. Once the seven-year-old is sort of trained and got the concept, now we continue it. And now you'll probably find that a lot of the behaviors change. Okay. Is it wrong of me to expect the 13-year-old to be more controlled in his reaction? Um, let's, let's recognize that. If your 13-year-old blows up on every experience, every time something happens, then of it's course... It's only when he is crossing lines. The 7-year-old is crossing these kind of lines. But let, let me clarify. Okay, so let me clarify. What I mean is, if a 7-year-old just crosses a line and a 13-year-old explodes, that's not acceptable. But, here's the but. When if I say crossing a line, I mean taking something that's his. Okay, shutting but, uh, the MP3 okay. player. That's so what I mean. So let me clarify then even clearer what I'm saying. If the 7-year-old just takes your 13-year-old's MP3 player once and the 13-year-old yells, mm -hmm. then yes, we need to focus on the 13-year-old. But let me finish. If the 7-year-old takes it, here the MP3 player, here he would take a paper out of his notebook, here he's going to do other stuff and nothing right. is stopping, then it's not considered that the 7-year-old did a one-time right. item. Exactly. It it's not a one-time time thing. Then it's an all-time thing. That's right. Then it is appropriate still at 13 uh -huh. for the kid to still react that way. Not that we shouldn't discuss it later on, but what I would then, when it's, I feel it's more appropriate to focus on the 13-year-old, is if the 7-year-old behavior is put in place and still he takes it once, then it's not healthy. Mm -hmm. Or there's one other option that you but can... But wouldn't he feel threatened if it happened once again? He has to feel safe, I guess, no, in order to No, it's not right. That's right. Our brain and humans and children are forgiving if someone makes a mistake once. Okay. Where we build frustration is when we get hurt over and over again. So imagine you're in the street and someone yells at you. It might not bother you that much. 
But imagine you go on the street and the same person is yelling at you six times a day. Then it starts building up. Now imagine that six times a day happens for three weeks. You're going <laughs> to lose it. Now, if you would want to focus on the older kid, it would be on a different issue. It would be telling your son, first, I need you to understand that you're getting upset at, at, at whatever his name is. We'll call him Chaim also. Is a way of saying, I'm not feeling safe and I'm not feeling confident. And mm -hmm. I'm feeling hurt over and over, which there are now three there. We want to start teaching some adult behaviors. Adult behaviors verbalizing it with me. Adult behaviors verbalizing to me that I am not feeling safe in this house. Your job as a parent is... To please make sure that my things are safe and we're focusing on me, not on him. Mm -hmm. Another point that we want to teach him is, okay, if it's not safe, then I want you to come over to us as parents saying, look, I'm, my MP3s, my stuff are being touched. The options that I know right now are throwing a fit, hitting him, screaming at him, but those are negatives. Give me some advice what I can do that's healthy and don't tell me to keep it in because that's not healthy as well. Okay. Swallowing is teaching people, unfortunately, <clears throat> to remain to be abused people where people... No, no, them. right. I don't want him to swallow, but That's he right. can't get physical with him. That's right. But in order for that to happen is you might want to have that discussion with him saying, so let's discuss some other options. Mm -hmm. Now, one of those options are that maybe let your 13-year-old pick a consequence that he feels should go to the 7-year-old for him to mm -hmm. learn. Okay. But we, we want to empower him that physical is never an option, but in a way that he will still feel safe that something is happening. We want to teach them to be proactive when someone does overstep your boundaries, and that's very important. Okay. That, All right. that makes a lot of sense. I just have one question. We'll is do it, it possible, quick because we got a lot of people on the line. Regarding that like the same with. thing, I'm just wondering, is it possible he still is resenting the fact that yes. he was born? It is possible. <laughs> sort of. That is normal, but that we will discover after the 7-year-old's behavior is put in place, after the 13-year-old feels safe. If you see that they're not connecting, there isn't uh -huh. love, then you, the next step is, to start focusing, but we got to take everything with one task at a time. Task number okay. one is get the seven-year-old to know his boundaries. Task number two is get the 13-year-old, see if the 13-year-old still explodes. It mm -hmm. means there's still anger that then the, then the discussion's got to go okay. back to the 13-year-old, your behavior, your responses aren't appropriate. If okay. they are now, it's calm in the house, but they're just not connecting. Step number three is to how to start getting uh, love between siblings, which I find is very important and I find lacking in this generation. As couples, as siblings get married, there's sort of a disconnect where they're not connecting one to the other. And it is very workable. It's something that with a couple of exercises that family can do, mm -hmm. it works out. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome, and thank you for calling in. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718 683-5858. You're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. The number to call is again, 718-683-5858. For those of you listening in, tuning now, you can watch us live on the jrotradio.com, on yeshivaworld.com, on the lakewoodscoop.com, where we've got some questions from over there. And we would like to thank matzav.com is now the latest um, Jewish website to host this program where you can see the you can see it live and see the programs over here. So thank you all for hosting this program. It is an honor and a schuss. And of course, thank you, Jayrut and Harav Nissen and Eron for the wonderful job that they're doing. For those of you that are seeing this, watching this, the background, we're actually in a green room. It's quite interesting and amazing. And Eron, we want to thank you for the work that you've done. And for those of you that would like to take him for your wedding, simchus, bar mitzvahs, bas mitzvah, whatever you have, the number to take him is 347-370-9083. 347 370 9083. Let's go ahead and let's go see if we've got some questions. Oh, who else is on the line? We are going to go to 
Aaron, which one would you like to pick? To line two, we're going to Malki. You're on the air with Mordechai. Um, hi, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, so I have a, a question about my five-year-old daughter. Um, she's the kind of child that is very observant. She notices like everything around her. She, like, you know, I could be, you know, just even if I'm like talking to my husband, I, I notice even when she's playing, she's her ears, her eyes—they're always open. That kind, you know what I'm saying? Like she's. Um, I'll give you examples just to show. Like she, we have like a you know the vent of the dryer outside, so she will see the smoke coming out of it, and she like we're like, "Mommy, what is that?" So I explain to her that's how the dryer works, you know. And she's like not satisfied. She's like looking. She goes, "I want to see where it is." She goes to the laundry closet, and she has to see like exactly how it works and. Then she's looking outside again, and she's noticing that some chimneys have. And she goes, they also have. I said, yeah, that's, that's from the heat and from the chimneys. And she goes, I don't like that. And I find a lot of different examples. She has like a, there's like a, there's a little brown leak. She first noticed it, actually. It's been there for two years on, in the ceiling in her room. And she's like, what is that? And so I told her one time there was a leak, you know. She was, she's so nervous about it. Like, and I noticed she, she looks in other people's houses like someone has, like, a break in their ceiling. And she's, like, to come home and be, like, all nervous about that. And, like, okay. she did not want to go to sleep in her room. Let me she, ask you, let me ask you, just cut straight just to a different area. Are any right. of you, you or your husband, let's say, have a little anxiety or afraid about stuff? Not really. And okay. I'm, like, on Tell me here the little When yeah. we say not really, it tells me something. What? Yes. No, I'm saying, like, once in a while, you know, normal, not, nothing, like... That happens very often, or you know, normal hectic things. Not not something, you know, not every on an everyday basis like that. Is it once a week? Anxiety. I mean, there's. I don't know. What, what does that mean? Anxiety. I'm Concerned. Afraid. Hectic. Is there someone in front of oh, the house? No. Are they a robber? When we send the kids out, whatever. No, it I, mean, be. I just mean hectic, like that type of thing. Sometimes like, the children hectic, but not nothing. Explain afraid. to me, children no. protected. What does that mean? What, hectic, normal, just, you know, normal, I don't know. It's just like it's bit, sometimes it got busy or whatever, you know, and, you know, but not... Wait, not wait, I'm still not making, getting the what, and you would get nervous or you would be afraid? I want to know the end result. No, not afraid. Just be like, no, nothing like afraid or anything, no. Okay, so then... Not afraid, afraid, no, just like... Normal, like if it, I don't mean like once a week, no, like if it's a hectic time or supper time or like. So then you get screaming. nervous, then you get stressed, or you get afraid. I'm specifically. No. You're not, not telling me no. what yes. I need to hear what yes. Don't tell me what not. Tell me what yes, please. I, I don't know how to describe. I mean. You get angry? Do you get. Can you yell? Or will you be afraid? Will you be concerned? No. Sometimes I, I can. You know, I would say more yelling. Okay, not so yelling is appropriate. Thing, yelling, unfortunately, is normal. Let me let right. me clarify my concern. Not afraid, no. Okay, so let me clarify. Right. Five-year-olds, it's normal for them to be, say, I'm afraid of this or I'm afraid of that. It's normal and age-appropriate. Right. What also happens is it's when parents are confident within themselves, they go, it's okay, it's nothing. And children usually pick up the confidence that they move on. Sometimes kids can be afraid of a dog. It comes a certain age when the two-year-olds to five many right. times are afraid of, or even six are afraid of, Purim time, the costumes. 
Right. And that's normal to be afraid of. And then by the next year, it passes usually completely. Right. What I find is when parents have anxiety and parents are afraid of things, oh, who's that person over there? And they need to just like when they're checking the door and they're just double checking. What I find is they don't have that inner confidence to give that five-year-old now the confidence. So some people want to call it genetic. I don't call it genetic. I find it very much learned behaviors that when a parent has concerns or has anxieties or has fears, the children get it. And I am a very big believer in that it's behaviorally taught because when I work with the parents, that they do lose, that they start, they feel inner confidence, those fears and anxieties disappear. It's amazing how many children or from a family would automatically lose that anxiety. Yes, maybe one or two of them will still need therapy, but there's a huge shift in the family when the parents are actively afraid and concerned. So, right, so I, don't, I wouldn't say that she would be getting that from... Okay, so then what I would tell you, then my recommendation is that she's just a regular five-year-old going through. You just tell them, it's okay, these things are normal. And they're afraid, and you tell them, it's okay, and let them sleep in the room or give them something that can, let's say, just give them a little reassurance, say Shema, and you're going to find within three, four nights that they are calm and they're relaxed. You could sit by their bed and ask them to visualize what would make you feel comfortable. There's a Malach watching you, a Malach's watching you, Hashem, we say Kriyashma, Hashem is watching you. But if they go on still afraid, you go, it's okay, and you can leave the room. If right. you, if there aren't a parent that has anxiety or fears right. of that, that in itself will work within three, four days. Right. If okay. It's, so I tried that, like, like what you said, asking her, you know, what would make you feel comfortable. It didn't really work. Maybe I found it was more of an attention thing a little bit. Okay. Then there you right. go. Then they, they again, then right. they're getting through negative behaviors. They are getting attention. What the thing is, okay, you got it. That's right. enough. So Go we to tried sleep. not like making an issue so much. That's because, right. You know, We've done all the tools. Right. There's no reason for it. There's no underlying reason for it. Right. You know, she's good in school, and maybe yeah, what we want to start training her, training her is to start doing through positive. Wow, right. let's do homework. Look how well you did this. Start focusing. Right. And you might find, let me ask you, what works best with you? Oh, my stomach hurts. And, oh, what's wrong with you, Shafel? Or says, look how nice I colored. And you go, wow, that's wonderful. And move on. Right. Like, if right. you... If you are someone... Right, don't, don't feed on that negative. That's right, and kids will pick it up in a second. What gets more attention? How they get more more airtime with mommy. More airtime is problems. That will do it. More airtime with success, they'll do that. Right, right. Okay, thank Excellent. you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for the caller. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. We're going to read one or two questions now from the Lakewood Scoop. And if we can also check on Matzav, if we got any comments over there or questions. Let's go to, um, okay, we're going to go to the Lakewood Scoop. I have a 24-year-old, oh, wow, it comes up blue, can barely read it. Um, something, let's see. Oh, divorced sister living at home with my parents. She was married for a short time at age 18, divorced at age, uh, sorry, age 19, divorced at age 20. I can sense that it's, that it gets tough at times with my sister and mother and that there's friction between them sometimes. They are both strong-minded individuals. I know my sister is very independent and does not demand a lot. However, what can you recommend to improve their relationship other than telling her to move out of the house? Moving out of the house is not an option for the time being. Thank you. Um, first, let's clarify your question. Your question, let's, let's repeat your question and then clarify. Your question is, is a 24-year-old um, you have a 24-year-old divorced sister that lives at home. She got married at 19, divorced at 20. She's a very strong personality, and your mother is a very strong personality, and they both clash all the time. 
what can you do to ease to get the the fighting or let's say the friction to stop i would first like to point out number one this is not an issue that has developed from today this is a family issue that has been going on from a very early age and it's sort of a power i don't want to call it a power struggle but a a situation that's been going on for many years mother's nature versus daughter's nature or they might be the same nature which unfortunately when we have a weakness it will trigger us someone with mirroring our same images will weaken us will get us to be triggered so seeing our chesroinus hurt us and that's why many times when clients come and have nothing to talk about and i tell them okay tell me things that you don't like about the world and they go oh if you wouldn't know this one is lying and this one is stealing and you just hear problems about people lying and stealing then i know right away i go and are you afraid of people lying and stealing to you are you someone inside that you don't trust yourself there are various different reasons that we discuss and we take that as a point what we project many times the greatest pains out there are what's happening within ourselves so you would have a mother that is very tough-minded very opinionated and a daughter that's opinionated and she'll go this daughter why can't she just listen to other opinions and that's what happens how the Rabbi has created us that our weaknesses we usually don't see but it's mirrored reflected projected onto the outside world and that's where we can see that so the real question that I hear over here is there's a 24-year-old daughter that is, or we can be an 8-year-old that's being triggered together with the mother, and the solution is one or both of them to go for therapy or for someone to identify how they are in a dance that's continuing to go over and over, and we want to stop that dance. We want to get the dance to start on an entirely different level. So the idea, I actually will disagree, and I will not tell them to move out. I think it's very unhealthy to move out because one or both of them has not learned to overcome their issue. And I believe we're here in this world to learn to overcome and how to grow from our issues that the Rabbi Shalom gives us. So that is a focus that I would recommend and suggest what we got to do. Um, let's go to the next question. Hi, um, you know what, let's try it again. Uh, maybe unheightened question three because it's too dark for me to read. Okay. Hi, my kids have a bus driver in school that gets physical on the bus, makes short stops, blames for nothing, etc. A lot of parents are complaining and the school doesn't do anything about it. Um, my son was suspended for a few days from the bus since the bus driver fabricated a story and all other kids on the bus say it wasn't like that. Point out they weren't just trying to take my son's side. I think they have, I think I have to take it further action but afraid of the ramifications. I want to get higher authorities in since it's out of the hand and it's escalating. Should I go to the local policeman? I have enough even to file a police report. Okay, wow. This is very extreme. This might be a legal issue. I'm not really sure because there's a danger for the, for the safety of the kids. My simple suggestion, which means this, we'd have to ask someone that has more experience in this, um, first, if there are dangers to the kids, I mean, definitely then legally, if you got to report it, I don't know what it is. But my first thing is call up the school, get three, four parents together as a group. And I would recommend that you sort of tell the school this is unacceptable and they must change, which means, yes, if there's a safety concern that you have, definitely do that. But I do believe that if you have two or three parents, it definitely um, will change go over to a school say it must change this driver must be fired not change to another route or he must we must hear that his behaviors have changed or you can even insist as a parent that you're one or two that the school has a monitor on the bus which is also something that can happen 
but if not, you can tell the school I'm going to go to the authorities. That's a little bit out of my league on the exact thing, but something must be done. It's got to be stopped and for safety reasons. Um, let's go to the next one. We're in 2014 and bullying nowadays is crazy. Okay, let's take another one. I have an issue. I get very tense with raising a large family. So I went to therapy and for the first time they mentioned medication, which threw me off right away. Was way too premature for first time to take meds. It seems like I can't find the right therapist. Okay, as a therapist, let me share with you some of my difficulties and maybe we'll do a little earring some of my pain. I get many times clients that I see at first they must take medication. Severe ADD, you cannot speak to them, or adult people that cannot hold a job. They're stressed, they're angry, they fight all the time, they haven't been working for four or five years of their marriage, marriage is falling apart, everything's falling apart, and they need ADD. Someone that's yelling and screaming, doesn't have patience for anything, any little thing knocks them off the mark, really to an extreme level, with a family, is almost a level, though I need to report, where I'm questioning if I need to report something like this. And when you mention medication, because we need a drastic results, something to help, they go, why would you say that? And what I find sometimes is that they come from a family with this huge anxiety, with this neglect, and they feel this is normal. They think you're jumping the gun. Now, yes, there are some therapists that are not that good or therapists that don't have many tools that will say jump to medication and therefore... I would say sometimes they're alarmists and they shoot the gun and they say medication. However, some situations are very extreme where it's reportable, where you need to report it and you still need to recommend medication. And because of clients aren't ready, it sometimes can take me two, three months or four months to build up to get to the word medication. But medication is many times needed for a situation. And sometimes I'll even say where a family has got instability over there and the child or the client I feel is a healthy person, but there's a lot of, let's say, mood destabilization going on. Sometimes I'll tell them, we've tried therapy, we're able to balance it, but certain triggers can get you off that. And that's many times where medication is a help. Now, there are different types of medication, something you can take once when you feel stressed. And sometimes there's medication that you need to take more if you need it for a year's time because there's a huge amount of stress and anxiety going on. That's really a doctor's decision. But a therapist that's experienced will actually inform the doctor of what's happening and even their recommendation. And, a, and a, a talented, or I would say a real doctor, is someone that will listen to the patient, someone that will listen to the therapist and to help them form uh, an opinion. So thank you again for another question from the Lakewood Scope. We are going to go to... Some more questions over here from the JRoot. And the number to call in is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And again, we want to thank all of you, those of you listening. You can watch us live on jrootradio.com, on thelakewoodscoop.com, on yeshivaworld.com. And joining, thanking Matsav for joining us, for hosting this program on matsav.com as well. Aaron, who's the next one that we've got online? Miriam. Miriam, on line three, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, thank you so much for your show. I really enjoy it. You're very welcome. I'm looking for a technique or idea for a seven-year-old boy that is very much trying not to fall asleep, and he says it. Yes. I try to work with uh, one thing at a time, like when until what time it can eat, and then until what time it can read, and then until what time the door can be open, and then until what time the light can be open. But he very much says that he doesn't want to fall asleep, and even when he's going to be a tatty, he's not going to want to fall asleep. So... And what's the difficulties? You tell them no problem, you'll be a tati, you won't fall asleep, but right now stay in bed with the light closed, and if you have the door closed, that's it. What happens? Um, the door closed, actually, he doesn't want. 
but um, he just tries to keep himself up. I'm trying to do like some kind of, I'm thinking if there's any kind of thing to stop him, to, to stop him from thinking that I don't want to fall asleep. Um, I would say that children, that's age appropriate for children to have their akshanas, and since you're doing a behavioral system, and we don't want to change right now is mine. Just have him in bed for a week straight, mm -hmm. not discussing it. You're in bed. It's your job now to go to sleep. He is in bed, and but he, he's there from, you know, 8 till 11, 11 o'clock. He falls asleep, and he's tired the next day. And when you wake him up early, what happens at bed at morning time, 7.30? Yeah, he gets, he gets onto the bus the last second, and, you know. Well, then, uh, whew, this is already a lot more. Uh, let me ask you something. With the door open, does he hear what's happening outside? Is he watching? Is he a, like a person that he's aware and he's like paying attention? He's trying to very much. He Wait, tries not to he, lay his head onto the pillow. And <laughs> does he call up? Does like does he tell you? I know you said this. Do you respond to him from the room when he's in bed? No, I try not to. No, okay. The word "try not to" is. Not I mean to say, if you know, if he he, he calls me, I say, I put you to bed already. You know, tomorrow we'll discuss whatever you have to say. Okay, and what happens if you now take it to the next level? As of now, I will not even respond. Okay, he's going to always try to fish up different ideas, but okay. Okay, then the next step I might recommend is you close the door, and you have maybe a nightlight in the room so he won't feel it's dark, but you'll tell him now the door is closed, and the, your time is up now, and not even to be aware of till what time he goes to sleep. Mm -hmm. In other words, <laughs> what we want to do is we want to change the awareness. What's happening is... Um, that is that is one idea, one suggestion. A second suggestion is to repeat him over and over, just like you're doing the behavior and behavior works on him. I would mm -hmm. now take a step, a step further. Now that you're in bed, close your eyes, keep your eyes closed, and you will fall asleep. Your job is to keep your eyes closed now for the next half hour, for the next 20 minutes. Close mm -hmm. your eyes. Mm -hmm. Work with him with his eyes closed, and he might actually fall asleep. Mm -hmm. If he'll listen to me with that one, because that's yeah. a hard one. Yes. I tried it. But, one um, other point sometimes that I find with children that can't fall asleep is, they need about 10 minutes to unload what happens. So if there are kids that are more emotional kids, they want to be able to share their thoughts. And if they have something that's bothering them, so you might want to spend before they go into bed, no, five that, minutes. Yeah. He gets his, uh, his bedtime phone or whatever. Yes, at that time, just five minutes. And what are things that you're thinking about? What are things that you would like for tomorrow? Where are things that your mind is, is focused on? So this way, once you write it down and once they say it, their mind can go. And mm -hmm. then you tell him, so now is your mind clear, because now it's time for you to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Okay, we healthy. do basically that. We say, you know, you know, you can tell we go out, you can, add, you can tell us, you know, whatever you want to tell us. No, 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 that's right. something else. That's something else. Uh, that's, just like, uh -huh, this is helping children. Certain children's natures are that they have a lot on their mind. They have daggers, they have concerns. They're worried mm -hmm. about the world. They're worried about the next day. And they need to be able to verbalize it. If not, their mind thinks about it over and over. It's not, is there anything? It's you're going to tell them, okay, tell me three things about today, or tell me three things that when you're in bed you think about that just tell them to me. So this way we can get them out now mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you can fall asleep. It's going to be part of the system. Tell mm -hmm. me three things that you think about in bed, and mm -hmm. it's going to be about, and the next step is close your eyes. You need your eyes closed, and you want to be able to repeat. Your job mm -hmm. now is to go to sleep. One other point to realize, some kids can't go to sleep at 8, maybe extend the bedtime to 9. Mm -hmm. But at 9 o'clock, you're going to be going to sleep mm -hmm. and sleeping and doing that. It might change. Maybe this kid needs the extra hour. We Remember, mm -hmm. we're, we're not cookie cutters. Mm -hmm. And it's based on your feeling, what you feel is important that we're going to focus on. Mm -hmm. okay, okay, thank you. Thank you. We're just going to mix up a little of the lineup because we got one or two men that called in. Let's just get a little another man calling in. Then we're going to jump back to the other women callers. Thank you. We're going to go to line one to Mordechai. 
Mordechai, you're on the air with Mordechai. With Mordechai. Yeah, Mordechai's on with Mordechai. Yeah. How you doing? Baruch Hashem, fantastic. Um, thanks for taking my call. Yes. I want to know, like you said before, that, you know, usually people see, like, their own weaknesses. Yeah. So someone doesn't like controlling people, he likes to be independent. Does that mean that he's controlling himself? Um, that might mean that, or that might mean that he himself is afraid of to be in control of himself. What? Which means I know a lot of people that I like being a life insurance salesman. I like being a broker, a real estate broker. I like doing the stocks because this way you can make so much money. And what I find when people say that is I'm talking about the men. What they're really saying is I don't want to have anyone on top of me. I want to have my own point. I want to have my own freedom. And therefore, you're going to find them yelling against the cookie-cutter system and yelling right. about structure. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they themselves are controllers. It does not necessarily mean that they are controllers, but it might mean, remember, if they're upset about it, if it triggers them more than average, it might mm -hmm. mean that they need that in their life. They're not ready to face it. So what we need to do now is now attack anyone that recommends that. Right. So if okay, someone so it's not isn't... A bad thing. What? It's not a bad thing you're saying. That's right. And if everything is good and everything is bad, it's the balance. If someone can say, this is horrible, it's never acceptable, then you know that they've got an issue. Right. And what's their weakness that they have an issue with that? Because every point out there has got a positive and a negative. Right. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Interesting question. Now we're going to jump to Dan, another guy, and then we're going to go to the couple of women. Sorry. Uh, apologize for that. Dan, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, how are you? Am I on? Yes, you're on, and you're live. Oh, oh thank you very much um, for taking my call. Um, two things. I wanted, I'll tell you what happened to me last week and what I thought was bothering me about it. And then as I was waiting for you on the phone right now, I realized that it might be something else, and I just want to hear your opinion about it. Sure. Um, last week, I met someone in the street. I didn't meet him. I saw him. This person was one time me very stark for Adam. And last week when I saw him again, even though he might not have seen me, I'm not sure, but I just started getting, I don't know, my, my, my heart started pounding, my legs turned to jelly. Yes. And like, I, 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 I don't know, I was scared that he would confront me again. Yes. Because of whatever the situation was. Yes. So this, nervousness that I had about him bothered me. Like, I felt like I'm scared of this person, and I didn't want to be scared of this person. Yes. But then I realized, as I'm waiting on the phone for you, that I felt the same way as I'm waiting on the phone for you, and I, re I related this, that I feel this way before I get up and give a speech also. Yes. At those points in time, it doesn't it's bother me. Meaning, I, I know I'll get over it. By the time the speech is over, I'll calm down, it'll be fine. But for some reason, it stuck out more by me when I ran across this guy. Okay. Fantastic so, question. I'd love to thank your question because your question will illustrate a word called subconscious. What does okay. sub mean? Sub means under. Conscious means our regular thinking, our awareness of our thinking. So subconscious mm -hmm. means there is a part of our brain that's thinking without us being aware of that. Right. Now, when people ask me why, do, why therapists have to talk about the past, a large part why we discuss the past is because there are subconscious programs that are happening. And if we can identify where they came from, bringing a subconscious issue to a conscious awareness gives us the power to change a lot of the programs that we have. Gives us a, pow a power to change the subconscious program. So awareness is key. 
Now, okay. let's take your question, identify a subconscious program. Consciously, when you saw this guy, were you thinking anything about this guy? Maybe I'm angry at him. But that was the basic thought, correct? Um, not that I'm angry at him. I like, don't want to see this guy. Oh, my okay. gosh, what's he going to do to me now? Great. Know? Hold on. Let's take a step further. The first step was, I see a guy, I don't want to see him. Your subconscious right away takes you to the last image or strong image that we have with that person. And what the subconscious does is it brings up an emotion that powerful that happened 30 years ago. People sometimes 50 years later will feel the same fear, the same trauma that they felt 50 years before because of a subconscious feeling. And subconscious brings up literally uh, extreme emotions as if it happening at that moment. Correct? Um, I guess to a certain extent, yeah. Does it logically make sense for you to see a guy later for you to still have the same fear about him? Uh, it's subconscious, like you said. That's right. So logically, right. it doesn't make sense. Logically, your mind should say, I'm older now, I'm stronger now, I could yell at him or I could run away. He doesn't have the power. But subconsciously, our body will react with fear and with emotions as if it happens, correct? Right. Now, let's divide it and take a similar emotion, what you said now, um, waiting on the phone line to get up to, to speak over here publicly, to speak to us. Right, and not only here, anytime that I speak publicly, that's I right. feel sometimes I have this nervousness, which I don't, it doesn't bother me that nervousness because I know it's going to pass and I know I'm going to end up speaking fine. That's right. But so that, let's that take. That one passes. But, so, uh, so I would like you to understand a little more, and I'm taking this as an opportunity to illustrate to our listeners the power of the subconscious. Our subconscious is a tool that is meant to protect us and to help us to be strong and to keep us in a safe level. That means if we will speak publicly and we will make a fool of ourselves, we will ask a wrong question, we will say a wrong vart, and then I, we will now have busyness, we will have embarrassment or pain. What happens then is our brain's job is now warning, warning, you're entering dangerous zones. And what the subconscious will do is I need to protect you. Which means when we're afraid, when we feel hesitation, we will be more aware, we'll be more alert on the words that we use. So it's a protection system. If okay. someone is feeling very not safe when they speak publicly, that everyone might laugh at them, they might lose their entire personality, then the fear, the subconscious will create a strong fear that you will not even be able to down for the Ahmed or speak publicly and it'll hold you back. If someone even has it that strong that wherever they go, they're afraid of being attacked, then unfortunately these people are sometimes completely introverted. They don't even open up their mouth. They won't discuss anything with anyone because their subconscious is saying, everything you say, there's room for it to be attacked. Now, there are several ways of working on the subconscious. One of them is cognitive therapy, which is you are creating, you're taking the subconscious thought and you're creating an awareness. That is one tool, which is saying, identify, what were you afraid of when you were calling up the phone line? Or what are you afraid of when you speak publicly? I have no idea. I, that, that, that I, I'm just nervous that I'm about to speak. I, don't, I can't pinpoint what it is. Okay. I don't know. So we have the ability consciously to listen to the subconscious. So I'm going to ask it to you again. Just take a deep breath. Relax a second. Think about when you're on the phone line and your heart's beating. Imagine you can ask your heart, tune into your body. And this is, this is really more subconscious work that I do. 80% of my practice is actually working more with clients subconsciously. I find there are very, very good... Um, cognitive therapists, behavioral therapists out there in the firm world, and I find very people in general that know about the subconscious and how to access the subconscious. So, but let's try this. Tuning in means listen to your heart. Listen, you're on the phone line. What were 
messages? What were the subconscious? What were those messages, buzzwords going on? You'll make a mistake. What happens if you stutter? What happens if you forget the right words? What happens if I laugh at your question? What's the fear, even if it's not logical? That, that's not what's bothering me. I don't know. I feel like I'm more worried about what if this guy hops that I'm calling and he hops that I'm talking about him. Okay, I good. <laughs> good. Go ahead and identify. That's one thing that entered my mind. I don't know if that's... That's not when I that, that's not good. So like now, when I get up to speak, good. You know? so let's let's take this. Let's take this emotion. Let's take this. This. Let's identify this feeling. What would be so you're concerned? What is the heart concerned about? What are you worried about inside? If this guy will identify that you're talking about him, what are you concerned about? That he will attack then, you again? Then he'll know that I'm scared of him. He'll know that he's left with marks. That okay. he mar he left his mark. And we'll take it a step further. And what is what will affect your feelings if he knows that he has left his mark on you? He'll feel like a winner, and he'll feel that he's right when he's wrong. Okay, see, so he's going to go around feeling that he's right. Now take it Not to you. Not only that, I don't know. It's more than that. He, it'll 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 justify him. That's, okay, that's the same thing. But... Good. So let's go ahead and let's take it to you. What do you feel when he's going to feel he's right and he's justified? By the way, I want to give you the full permission to just tell me stop. We're going too far. And uh, and that we can stop that, but just say that, and we're on airs. But just to be aware, if you'd like to continue, I will continue. Okay, then I'll hear what you ask. If you if you ask me something that I don't want to answer, then I'll then I'll say stop. Excellent, very good. So go ahead. So now, what do you feel when he's going to feel he's the winner and he is the the more he's on top of you? Then he'll come back at me and keep on trying to. To maneuver me to whatever he wants. Okay, so you're feeling so you're feeling within yourself not safe that this person, if he knows he's got power over you, that he will now continue to maneuver you to do things you don't want, or to at least distraction me, even if not to maneuver me, just to bother me. So he me. can yell uh -huh. at you or attack you emotionally or verbally. That scares right. you. Good. Now yeah. feel your heart and like tuning in. And ask your heart, what would be a feeling that would put you completely at ease and secure and safe? that uh, this guy cannot, under any circumstances, maneuver you or embarrass you publicly? What would give you that ease? Um, and it doesn't have to be real. It yeah. could be that he gets a squeal, squeaky voice when he tries to yell at you and all of a sudden he's embarrassed. Or it could be that you got earplugs and you don't hear him. Or it could be that you're strong enough and confident enough to yell back at him. It doesn't have to be real. What would give you that inner heart feeling that I'm safe, I can protect myself with everyone and even especially this guy? Right, so someone told me a similar thing, and like technically they described to me, this guy's been a sugar, you know. Good, good, that's cognitive, that's cognitive. We're talking now to the subconscious part of the brain. Ah. That logic didn't work. What will give you, I'm not suggesting, I'm not telling you what to imagine, I'm asking you, what would give your feeling? It's got to be a feeling, because we're talking about to the subconscious brain. It's different than the logical brain. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know, maybe if there was someone specific there with me that, uh, that I know that he'll... <laughs> He'll justify me more than that guy. Excellent. Maybe. So can you pick know. a guy? Don't tell me his real name. If his real name is Chaim, we'll call him Moishi. His real name is Moishi, call him Chaim. I don't care. Any name. Think of, a, for a second, a person. Take a moment and find who's a person. If you'll have that person with you, will justify. You'll feel that he can protect you, and he will be able to put that person in his place. Uh, I think my Rebbe, perhaps. Good. So can you now imagine for a moment that you can have your Rebbe with you 24-7, right there? Just imagine. Uh, Rabbi Thomas, right? Yep. But, um, 
I hear it. Don't just hear it. Do it a moment. Okay. I'm staying with you. We got a lot okay. of people. I'm on patient. the line with you, and my rabbi's walking right here next to me. He's telling me, he's telling me Danny, keep on talking to, to Rabbi Weinberg. You That's know? right. Continue and see that. Just feel the confidence. How do you feel when you're talking to me? A little more confident. Good. Now, how do you see with that guy that really was Mavazu, you, Barabim? Well, now, now that I have my Rebbe Yes, and I want you to even imagine how your Rebbe puts him in his place. Imagine how he tried the first time to be Mavazu, you had your Rebbe there and just put him in his place. I hear it. It sounds very good. I mean, not it sounds very good. It's looking very good. Good. I want you to feel it a moment. Just take a moment. Feel it. Feel what it's like to have that Rebbe there with you. We got the patience. I got the okay, time. Okay, he's, he's screaming at me, and now my Rebbe is giving him this look, and, uh... Yeah. And, uh, you know... He he makes such an about face and starts walking so quick. Um, perhaps, yeah. Do you see how he knows that I don't deal, I don't mess with him? I don't mess with Danny? I don't mess with Dan? Sounds good. It's a feeling. I need you to feel it. Sounding good is I'm, logic. I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I, good. I, I hear what you're saying. I heard you tell someone a similar maneuver on the phone two weeks ago, I think it was. Yes, these are, yeah, there's a lot more that I'm not doing on air because that's like real therapy. So like this is just a little taste of the subconscious, but it works. It's with feelings, and it has a fantastic power how it works. So is this something that like next time I see that person coming towards me or I, or I have a feeling I might meet up with that person, I just think to myself, hey, my red is here with me, and that thinking will help that me calm thought, down? Thinking that thought means you're now doing it on a cognitive level, which a lot of people do, a lot of my clients do. But one of the benefits of the subconscious is once your brain feels safe, Many times you might not even need to use this. You won't even notice that you saw him or you'll be able to use now the other cognitive tools that the other person told you, big deal, he's just a person. Once the subconscious mm -hmm. feels safe, we don't need to use just one. It's an easiness and now it's a safety feeling that you'll find you'll have a lot more tools in your toolbox than just this one tool. So you can uh -huh. use it, but not necessarily when I speak to clients that we do the subconscious work with them, it's very different. Mm-hmm. Here. Thank okay. you. I appreciate you, you calling up. Yep, I Thank just you want you to know you don't sound nervous from a listener. You don't sound nervous. You don't sound insecure. You sound just like everyone else. So just be aware. No, I know I know that when I actually end up speaking, even like the times when I would give a speech, let's say back in Yeshiva days, I would have to say that about the Suda, I'd be sitting there all nervous until it was time for me to speak. I would speak fine. And I would sit down with a sigh of relief, and I knew I spoke fine. I just had the nerves with me all throughout. Yes. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I appreciate it. We're going to go to Ruchi and then to Sarah. We're going to try to take on those last two callers for now. Ruchi, you're on the air with Mordechai. Thank you for holding so long. Hello. Yes, thank you for holding. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'd like to ask about my three-year-old son. Yes. He's my oldest. And he started school this year in nursery. And uh, how should I say it? I guess he has a few bullies in his class, or like stronger boys, and he's more of the shy, quiet ones. And he does get bullied by them. I wouldn't say really bullied, but affected by them, like hitting and such kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's affecting him. Like I see he comes home, like he lets it out at home, hyper and... All that. Okay. So first, we're going to take another caller after you. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. We'll take one more caller, 
683-5858. And um, let's go to your question. Your question is relatively a quick one, which means three-year-olds, these are normal stuff that happens. So mm -hmm. step one is inform the Mora or the teacher that's happening over there. Yeah, I spoke to her already, and she is trying to take care of the situation. That's right. But good. And step two is to start working on your three-year-old to be more assertive. So that is big believer in training, which means training. You're going to take away his toy. Tell him now to grab it back. Fight for it again. Someone wants to grab your toy. Hold on to it tighter. You're allowed to train kids to be more assertive. I'm a big believer in training. Or say, stop mm -hmm. it. Or say, Mora, this kid took it. It's, a, it's something that I I'm a big believer in training, and training works. We train our kids to everything. Even though he's a gentler nature, we don't want him to become rough and tough. But we still want to teach him how to be assertive. And that is important to do, to teach assertiveness mm -hmm. to At our home, children. he's not like this. At home, he's the opposite. He's my oldest, so he's like loud, and he's like yes. the... Yes, no, that makes sense. I don't mean I know that. What I mean is it makes sense, but we want to teach him in groups. So one of the points you can do is if you ever have your family get together, you can start teaching him in groups. Um, I want you to He's go like over. like that with groups also, just in school. Okay, so then we just need the training. Then maybe have the teacher, uh, have the teacher, ask the teacher to practice with him in school where he can bring out his personality. Again, what we do in therapy, in the therapy room is when we work with one person, and once they can do it in the therapeutic room, they're able to take this and to reflect it and to place it in other areas of their lives. So if you can maybe mm -hmm. have the teacher just practice once or twice in school where practice a kid should grab it and say, no, I'm not giving it and hold on to it, that might be enough to bring out his personality and to feel safe in school in a bigger environment. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big believer now did, in practicing. She said he did become better. Like if kids take something away from him, he does stick up for himself. Good, excellent. But he's still coming home hyper and he's fighting Now, kids coming home hyper is something else. It's appropriate for three-year-olds to come home hyper. He might want to eat, which is one of the big suggestions that they do, is that they give you food. And yeah, I do that. Excellent. And kids come home hyper. They're happy. They're excited. They're energized. They're happy to be home. But I see it more in a negative way. Like, he's, like if his younger sister, my daughter, would take something away, like patch. He's like letting out whatever happens. Three-year-olds, I don't know if I would call it letting out. Three-year-olds are the age when they potch, when they grab. It's a two- to three-year-old age to potch that we teach them not to. Mm -hmm. But I find that he's doing it too much, not the norm. Then I'm not so sure it's because of school. I wouldn't jump because of school. I would say it might be now some more the parenting schools, how to get him to stop potching. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is age-appropriate, and we need to get it to stop. I won't judge. I won't jump to right away saying it's happening because of the school. So meaning, like, how, would I, how should I deal with this? Well, behavioral. How, would, how did you get him to wear a yarmulke? Mm -hmm. Just you put it on. And that's right. So you start telling him, you're angry, you're upset at something, we don't hit. You put the hand down. You start telling him, ask for something, someone has something, we don't take it, and you practice it. Your sister's holding something, you don't grab. You don't like it, you don't patch. You patch, you, you, know, you send him to the corner for, like, 30 seconds or so. But we don't, and then you teach them also how to do it. Ask nicely, do it. But that's the focus that we want to focus on. Mm -hmm. I see. I'm, I'm fine. I think it's coming more from school. Like then the way I he... don't. Okay, then he's three years old. I feel there's a lot going on. This is normal stuff, and I'm not and able. Like he's afraid to eat his snack in school because kids are going to ask him, and he's not going to have anything, okay. so he doesn't want to. I'll tell you what, this question I feel needs a, le a little bit more time than like the three minutes that we got like left over here. So if you'd like, call in next week. 
But it's really more something I think should be discussed with the Mora, and the Mora will discuss with you some tools. It's something that has to be discussed with her, these issues. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Thanks a I lot. Thank Yes. We're going to go to Ruchi again on line one, a different Ruchi actually. But I'm going to take one question from the Lakewood Scoop, and this is sort of out of my scope, but that's why I want to read it. How do you deal with um, number seven, with have a son in the house that's affecting the other kids? He is Machal Shabbos. Should we get him? out of the house, or keep him in. Chaz v'shalom for me to get involved in a question like that, unless I am working with a Rav, unless it's my client, because this is literally pikuach nefesh, such a question. Getting a kid out of the house is extremely serious. Keeping the kid in the house is extremely serious. You need those professionals with experts dealing with it. Ruchi, we got two minutes, and let's go ahead and take your question on line one. Ruchi, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my call. I'll try to do it very quick. Thank there, you. My daughter's seat is, there's four seats in every row, and one row... How has, old is your daughter? My daughter is in fourth grade, and she sits all the way in the back with, with the fifth seat in that row. Yes. So I first wrote a note to the English teacher and to the Yiddish teacher that she can't see the board. Yes. And she ignored it. The thing is like this. She feels, she doesn't feel that the teacher is including her in the class. Yes. Didn't give her out a stencil by one uh, review, and she was raising her hand, and the teacher ignored her. She feels very much ignored in the class. Um, that is quite serious, actually. Here, the next step is PTA. But before that, you call up the parents, the teachers today, and you go down and you have a meeting with them. This is not acceptable to ignore a kid unless your kid is not really raising her hand strong enough or you sent a letter, but a letter didn't work. Usually what we do is we follow up three days later, did you move it or you first make a phone call? But if you really want things done quickly, you physically go down. Uh-huh. Physically go down, make the teacher aware. And if that doesn't work within four days of speaking to the teachers of a chair changing or three days, you tell the teacher, when do I follow up with you? You go to the principal. That's exactly what principals are there for. Principals uh-huh. are there to make sure the teachers do their job. And if there's one kid that's slipping through the ropes, it's their principal's job to make sure that they are over there. We got 30 seconds to go, so thank you, Ruchi. One more question. I don't know if we'll have the time in 30 seconds to do that. I'd like to appreciate it. Then just call in Meretz Hashem next week, and we're going to address it. I want to thank you all for listening. I'd like to thank the Lakewood Scoop, Yeshiva World, especially Aaron, and the Jarrett Radio and Matzav for hosting this program. Appreciate all the callers that have called in. And looking forward, Meretz Hashem, to having you guys on next week to take your questions and your comments. Thank you all. Merz Hashem. Ezra Hashem Yizbach. Next week, we'll be on to get in together.